Wow, welcome. Um, I'll make a start and, and we'll backfill as, as parents return. Welcome. Bon dia, buenos dias. Gilihos, Shamadid. It's great to have, uh, I, I need to learn how to say welcome in Ukrainian as well, forgive me, but you're still welcome, whatever, Buona uh, Diminiata, whatever your language today, is that okay, Livio? Yeah, okay, um, you're very, very welcome. Um, I'll quit while I'm ahead, um, and hello too for English, English speakers. We're in, uh, in one Peter, um, Two Sundays time, the 23rd of October, we, we've got our next baptisms. We've got more people ready to be baptized, new followers of Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, yeah. I, I thought that was better news than that, but, uh, but there we are. Praise God, that's good. Yeah. So um, uh, next evening, I'm doing a short, a short Zoom for those who want to find out more about baptism. So if, uh, if you know of someone, someone in your house or a friend of yours, someone in your small group, Justin's been... Uh, talking about those uh, in the last few minutes, uh, then, then just get them to tag along onto the, the Zoom. We'll make sure the link is, is shared around next week. If you want to find out more about what it means to be baptized and be a follower of Jesus, whether you get baptized on the 23rd or whether you're a step beyond that, not a problem, along to the Zoom. Next Sunday, we have um, Steve Burston with us. Steve, Steve leads the team at St. John's, uh, the HDB church uh, in town. Uh, and they, they head all the kind of love your neighbor stuff that we have a privilege of being a part of here in Crawley that grew up um, through the COVID and lockdown uh, times, um, really working together as churches together now to serve uh, those who are struggling uh, in our community. Uh, it'd be brilliant to welcome Steve next Sunday. It's also our Harvest Sunday. Again, we'll share some more about that this week. When I was growing up, a Harvest Sunday meant that you uh, realized, oh no, it's Harvest this morning. Um, what, I, I've got to take some food to church to give away to people who are struggling and you go in the cupboards and you can find a tin of beans and an out-of-date tin of peaches. That, that's probably, probably it. Um, it's not that kind of Harvest Sunday. Um, uh, if you were with us on our Vision Sundays uh, in, uh, where are we now, September, uh, we were talking about a kingdom response to the cost of living crisis. So we're just going to follow some of that up together next Sunday uh, whilst we welcome Steve to, to preach um, with, with a kind of love your neighbor hat on. Um, we will also be having an opportunity for us to say, um, what about us as a church? Are there some areas that we're saying, God, this is how we're going to serve you and serve the town in the next season? There are some opportunities with Easter team, the food banks, with CAP, Christians Against Poverty, with some hot meals for a community freezer, um, with coming to volunteer here as we open up as, a, as warm spaces. Or maybe one of the opportunities that you'll pledge to will be, hey, what about my table, my house, my small group, um, my family, my little community? Um, so through this week, you'll see some information about some of, the, some of the kind of kingdom response to the cost of living crisis pledges that you can make for Harvest Sunday. Uh, if you really want to bring a tin of peaches, you, you can, that's fine. We'll find someone that needs them. And I mean that genuinely. I like peaches from a tin. Nothing wrong with that. Spoon, bit of evaporated milk, and I'm back in the late 70s as a boy. Perfect Sunday afternoon uh, snack. Um, but aside from that, we're saying, how can we give our lives and our hearts into this kingdom cause as we serve the town in these uncertain days? Does that make some kind of sense? Well, yeah, okay, that's good. Great. So, uh, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm uh, picking up where Ken left off last week. I don't have a safety vest like Ken 
but it's probably better that way. I don't have Ken's self-control. I would definitely pull the toggle um, and just because you've got to see what it does, don't you? What's the point of having one of those things if you're not going to use it? Um, so I'm going to pick up at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. Uh, we, hopefully there's some, some Persian and Spanish and Ukrainian versions of this around the room. So please come and grab one down here um, if, if you need it. Um, as you come to him, verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's the word of the Lord. Wow, Lord, we thank you so much for, for these, these precious, timeless words that spoke into Peter's generation um, in that era under, under Nero in persecution and they speak today in our hearts today in 21st century Britain and whatever our background and context where we come from, these words are living and active and we just pray these next few minutes, Holy Spirit, you give us ears to hear. We've already said this morning, faith comes by hearing. Would you pour fresh faith into our hearts? Will you speak to us? Will you open our hearts and our minds? Will you leave us pumping with something of what it means to be part of the splendor of the big plan of God for his people? Would you give us a confidence in an age where we could feel like we should lack confidence as aliens and strangers in this world? May we go out shining like stars in a wicked and depraved generation because the Spirit of God is alive in his people. So, yeah, we just welcome you now, Lord. Whatever you want to do, you totally have your way amongst us this morning. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, we could keep praying, but let's, let's dig into the, into the text. Living stones. Um, oh, I must be careful. I've got a little step behind me there. That could be fun. Um, it'd be funny for you, not so funny for me. Living stones is a really strange picture. There's lots of picture language in these verses. Um, the reality is I, I'm, I'm not a geologist. I think there are one or two uh, around in the church. I think Kathy Bennett's a geologist, isn't she, by, by trade originally. Um, but apparently, if you Wikipedia it, stones don't live. They're not alive. Um, I think some of the rolling stones are still alive, but that's as far as it goes. I think they'll go on forever. Um, this amazing idea that Jesus is the living stone and us being connected into him, in the, it, it changes everything um, about how we see ourselves in, in this new community of God's people, his holy house, uh, as, as we're using an expression from this 
this passage. Today, I, I guess, I'll just take a few minutes. I, I don't know how far we'll, we'll get through these verses. It's like, you know, rock is built in layers or strata. We're, we're just kind of scraping back, exposing the strata, the layers of our identity. Now that we're in Christ, we're, his chosen people. Peter uses this language of, of stones or uh, temples, um, or, of a nation, of priests, uh, you might think, well, I, d- I don't know that I understand that fully. That's okay. These are, these are Old Testament ideas um, back in the first part of the story of, uh, of God's story with his, his people. Um, Peter then comes back over it in the, in the later verses. Uh, and they're, they're powerful images for us as we begin to understand who we are today as exiles in this, in this culture, in this world. Verse 4, as you come to him. Uh, I nearly skipped over this. And then I I was stopped in my track. As you come to him, friends, let's come to Jesus. (laughs) It starts and finishes here. Um, Jesus is the the center of everything, of our life and our worship. If we skip beyond this verse to get to the meat of the passage or the the how do we do life, we've missed something so important. Um, As you come to Jesus. Remember this this letter, as we've been saying over the last few weeks, is written to encourage people. Uh, believers who are living like exiles um, in, a, in a pagan culture where they're under real pressure and persecution for their faith right now, like our Iranian brothers and sisters are uh, around the world. Peter is giving such a group of disciples a how-to. How do you live as disciples in this kind of environment? Um, that, that's coming in the later verses and chapters. But all of that is empty if we don't first come to Jesus himself. We're just looking for a, a life hack to live a better, safer, quieter life. Come to Jesus as you come to him. We, we started out in one Peter, all about Jesus, his work, his blood sprinkled for our sins. His identity is the one who suffered rejection for our sakes. This is what shapes us. This is what's going to shape our, our lives, our character, our behavior, our words, our, our thoughts. So as the writer to the Hebrews says, consider him. We consider Jesus today. Um, we consider who we are in him in order that we might learn how to live for him in the light of our new identity. Let's not race past coming to Jesus. If a church can ever do that, then we've, we've got something totally wrong in our age. But people come to church for all kinds of reasons and connect with churches for all reasons. And some of them are important. Uh, you know, friendship, people that can care for you. Um, great coffee. Maybe you love the music. I don't know. It could be any number of things. Primarily, why do people gather in this way from all kinds of backgrounds and languages and, uh, and, and cultures in life? We're coming to Jesus. We're coming to Jesus, the one right at the center. And the, the, the word that's used as you come to him in verse 4 means it's, a, it's like a, um, a present continuous, as you keep coming to him. Keep coming. I still meet people. I'm, I'm quite old now. I, I meet people who said, oh, yeah, I, I came. I met someone recently who said, as a young man, very young man, I came to Jesus with Billy Graham at Haringey in 1957. Anyone else around for those? No? One or two maybe? Uh, I came to Jesus then. Brilliant. Wow, that's amazing. I I went to see Billy Graham, the amazing American preacher, uh, when he played Wembley. Um, 89, 90, I think. I was just towards the end of my teenage years. Um, People came to, I meet people now that said, oh yeah, I came to Jesus at that Billy Graham crusade, that campaign in 89 and and 90. Hey, that's brilliant. If you came to Jesus and you can look back at a point in history where you came to him, wonderful. Let me ask you, friends, if you're a disciple of Jesus, are you still coming to him today? 
Have you come to him this morning? Are you going to get up and run after him and take hold of him tomorrow with both hands? Keep coming. We keep drawing near to God. Moses drew near to the bush that was burning in the wilderness. James promises us, if you draw near to God, what's the promise in return? He will. Ah, some of you know the scriptures. That's great. Yeah, if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. So all you've got to do is have this attitude. I'm coming to you, Jesus. I'm going to keep coming to you. And his beautiful, precious promise from the scriptures is, hey, I see that. I see your inclination. Even when you do it badly. I was chatting with Mark and Julie early this morning. I went, I went for a prayer walk. I tried to do a little prayer walk on a Sunday morning. I managed 15 minutes. It was a bit pathetic, really. Loads of other things took over, and I managed 15 minutes. It's so hard to get into prayer. Getting ready to pray is one of the hardest things. I, I find praying harder than... I, I ran a half marathon yesterday. I find, I find getting ready to pray harder than getting my shoes on and going out to run a half marathon. Some of you may find that an absurd idea. But praying is hard. It's a spiritual battle. All kinds of ideas and forces that are trying to stop us praying, stop us coming to Jesus, because when we come to Jesus, the most precious things happen. And even though I had a rushed 15 minutes this morning, just walking around the edge of Tilgate Forest near my house, suddenly the rest of the world is put to one side, and here I am walking with Jesus. Here I am knowing his presence. Here I am coming to him. Here I am drawing near to him, and remarkably, even in my scheduled 15 minutes, he decides he wants to draw near to me because that's the promise of Scripture. Draw near to God. Keep coming to him day after day after day. Hebrews 4.16 says we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We can come into the Father's house with confidence. Not, not because I've scheduled it in today and it's in my diary or because I've happened to do really well this week and feel like maybe God will just accept me and the bouncers won't take me out this time. Um, no, I can draw it in because of Jesus. Because of the finished work, of, back into chapter 1, the sprinkled blood of Jesus. He's made a way for me to come. Uh, I come into the Father's house because I'm, I'm holding on to the, the back of Jesus, thinking, I'm not sure I belong here. I'm not sure I'm clean enough to be in here. And the Father says, hey, you're with my son. Hey, welcome. Come in. And suddenly all the privilege uh, of the sonship of Jesus becomes mine. Do you understand that's what the scriptures teach us? It's a remarkable thing. And here we are, drawing near to him. As you come to him, the privilege that we'll come to it in a moment that was once only open for a few priests and for the high priest in the old covenant, only once a year was he able to enter into the Holy of Holies. I was able to experience some of that in 15 minutes in a walk this morning. Something that a high priest could do once a year with, with fear and trembling now is open to ordinary disciples like you and me. If you're near someone, just give them a nudge and say it's open to you. You can draw near to God. You may be ordinary, but you're able to draw near to God. Well, as you come to him, I'm definitely not going to get through these verses this morning. That's fine. Don't, if you're thinking, he's only on verse 4, uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll cut our cloth as we go, go through. Um, verse 4, the, the living stone. Look at that. This is speaking of, of Jesus. As you come to him, to Jesus the living stone. Here we are. We said we'd use some of this picture language. Re rejected by men, but chosen by God. Peter uses uh, some prophetic words from the Old Testament. That he quotes them here in, um, in verses 7 and 8. He's quoting Psalm 118. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And Isaiah 8. The stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. We're, we're coming to Jesus. Jesus was rejected. 
these two things are happening as we continually, daily, draw near to God. One is that we're wonderfully accepted by him, uh, but the other is that the world may reject you if you're identified with Jesus. We're coming to the one who was rejected. Isaiah prophesied he would be despised and rejected, and he was ultimately when he was put on the cross, taking our sin and all the insults of, of the world. Jesus here and the, these prophecies that Peter mentions are a rejection of Jesus by Israel, by, by God's people, the ones he'd chosen, the ones he'd brought out of Egypt, the ones he brought into a land that was their own. But they rejected Jesus. They stumbled over, to use this, this kind of rock language. The rock in the road was Jesus. He was not the Messiah they were expecting. He wasn't the one they were looking for. It's, but it's true to say, it's easy for us to say, oh, that, was, that was Israel in their sin and their rebellion. But we just need to look around. We only need to know our own stories and our own lives. Or take a look at the town and the nation around us. It's true to say that still outside of Jesus today, all men and women have rejected Jesus. Stumbling over him. I don't know how you've found it at work or college or maybe at the sports club you hang out at or in a bar with your friends. It's okay. To, you can talk sometimes about, about church. Oh, I go to church. Oh, that's, that's cool for you. That's nice. You can even talk about, about God sometimes. People have all kinds of ideas about God and all kinds of things, God. But have you, have you tried talking about Jesus and seeing what that does in the moment, in the room? Jesus is still the stumbling block. He's still the stone that people trip over. He's still the one where people go, whoa, you're doing okay, God, and your church sounds quite nice and looks pretty cool on Instagram, even if that's not really the reality. But now you're talking about Jesus. I'm just going to back away now because Jesus immediately shines a light on his perfection and my sin and my rejection of him. Do you see what's going on in the world? If we're rejected, if Jesus was rejected, then Jesus' people who identify with him are going to be rejected too. Uh, as you come to him, the living stone. Let's just have that in our minds. We've said there's all this Old Testament picture language of stones and temples, uh, holy nations, priests, that feeds into the language Peter uses here. Um, let's just do a little recap. I, I recognize some of you will be really familiar with this stuff. Some of you will think, what is he on about? I, d I don't even understand this, this language. Let's have a, have a look for a, a few moments, and then perhaps we'll, we'll just draw things together today. Exodus 19, way back early, in the early days of the story of God with his people, God is speaking to Moses, and he says, Moses, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. What a beautiful picture that is, by the way, to be carried on eagle's wings. It's, it's like something out of Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Rescued by the eagles. I think Tolkien had lots of scripture analogies in mind when he wrote those, those books. Um, now, God says to Moses, if you obey me fully, if you keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you're to speak to the Israelites. You, are you seeing Peter is getting his words from here? He, he's saying this was what God said to his people in the beginning when he first rescued them from Egypt and was bringing them into the promised land. He said, if you'll obey me, if, if you'll follow me, uh, the whole earth is mine, but I, I've, I've got my eye and my love and my favor, especially on you as my people. And, and your response for me, you'll be my holy nation and you'll be a kingdom of, of priests. 
later on, Exodus 40, as they're in the wilderness, they're looking for a way of, of, of experiencing God's presence. And God gives them very specific instructions to build what, what we call the tabernacle, or a tent. It's a tent of meeting. They're very specific instructions. And it's a copy of something in heaven that maybe one day we'll, we'll see when Jesus returns. And uh, Exodus 40, in this tabernacle, where God began to meet with his people. It says, The cloud covered the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses couldn't enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Wow. No, uh, no dry ice, no special effects, no clever lighting. This is not kind of sleight of hand and magic and pumping up the atmosphere. This is the glory of God meeting with his people in a tent. Well, if he can do it in a tent, he can certainly do it in our lives and in the Karis Center. In all the travels of the Israelites, I'm still in Exodus 40, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. It's just extraordinary, uh, this picture. You're getting some pictures of temple, presence of God. In 1 Kings 8, we get Solomon's temple. King David had thought, I, I, I've built my own house. I've got a city. I've won Jerusalem. We're building this city for God. We're God's people. Now I'm going to build you a house. We, we've, David had been carrying the Ark of the Covenant around, you know, that box with the, with the Ten Commandments in it. And sometimes it was good to carry that box around. Other times people got killed touching the box. And David was thinking, we need a house for this, this Ark. This, we need a place where God can... Well, David was ready to build it. Then the prophet came to him and said, no, you're not going to build it, but your, your son Solomon will. David got everything ready, and, uh, and here we are, 1 Kings 8. Solomon's built this temple, and when the priests withdrew from the holy place, that's the very center of the temple, where the God stuff happens, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple and Solomon said, the Lord said, he would dwell in a dark cloud. I've indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Being with Solomon on that day, you'd have thought, oh, this is it. All, all these pictures, everything God spoke to Moses, the tabernacle, the clouds of glory that we followed. And it, here it is now. This is the pinnacle. This is peak temple happening right now. This is God dwelling amongst his people. However, it, it wasn't. Um, it turns out that Solomon's temple was just a, a, like a, a tiny signpost of something greater that was to come. Haggai later promised. Haggai, I can never say his name very easily. He said the glory of, this, of, of, of the new house, the second house, will be greater than the glory that's come before. We'll come and look at that in a, in a moment. Solomon's temple must have been amazing. It was one of the wonders of the, of the world. But it was just a shadow, just a shadowy reality of the greater, fuller temple that was to come. What happened after Solomon, and Solomon himself was part of this decline, it, God's people began to sin. They began to reject him again. They slipped into rebellion, generation after generation. Actually, in the end, Solomon's incredible temple was pulled down and destroyed um, by Babylonians. Um, the, God's people were taken away to exile. Again, Peter's using this exile language here for us today as, as God's people who are discovering Oh, how do we live now uh, away from the kind of structures and the life of, uh, of, of being God's people? 
not long afterwards, 70 years afterwards, Ezra and the first crowd come back from exile. They begin to rebuild the temple. It's, a, it's an amazing effort, but it's nothing like Solomon's temple. It says the older generation that remembered Solomon's temple, they, they wept. Some people wept when they saw Ezra's temple with joy. Wow, we're back. We're back in the land. We're back with the temple, the holy house. Others wept because they remembered the splendor of Solomon's days. And this is just a, it's a poor copy. But once again, the center of, of worship and the home of God's presence amongst his people was, we're back, they would have, they would have thought. But something radically better was coming. It, it was this period where Haggai prophesied, no, there's a greater glory to come, a greater house that's being built. All these old models of temple and priesthood point us towards, you still with me, you following, yeah? Okay, good. I'm excited about this. I don't know if, if you are. But I, I, anyway, I'm excited because it's really, really important for us today in how we live as a, as a word and spirit people. John chapter 2. Jesus is here. And Jesus is in the courts of the temple. Now there's another temple. Herod's built one this time, or he's building one. Um, Temple courts, clearing the stuff out, clearing away all the obstacles to get to God. Jesus, the one who said, come to me. He's here now. No wonder we're saying still today, as you come to him, it's important we still come to Jesus. The temple of stone, even the one he's standing in, in this story in John 2, that's taken 46 years to build to this point, and they've still got scaffolding around it. The temple of stone is now a person. It's now Jesus. God himself has come. John says in chapter 1, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. Or actually the word used is he tabernacled. There's a sign for us. The, the, we, we've see, he's tabernacled amongst us. He's come to live amongst us. We've seen his glory, John says. The glory of the one and only. Does that sound to you like some of the tabernacle and cloud and glory and temple language? Yeah, sure does. And it's supposed to because John is saying, hey, all that is about to be done away with because Jesus Christ is here and he's the fulfillment of all these temple and tabernacle pictures. He's moved into the neighborhood and he's coming soon to a life like yours and mine. Look at this, um, verse 4 and 5 that we're in today in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 says, you also, like living stones, are being built together. You also. So, whoa, we've just done a great big scope of history from Moses up to Jesus. And we're recognizing, okay, here's, here, we can see the curve now. And this, this temple was only ever pointing us to Jesus. And he's now the, the, the temple, the personified glory of God, now and forever. 
but you also are living stones. Huh? This, this, this is what blows our minds. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul writes, don't you know, don't you know, don't we know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in your midst. Wow, just, some of us know these passages, yeah? Wave your hand if you think, yeah, yeah, I know that one. That's, that's good. Yeah, just stop and try and know it again for a moment. Don't you know? Bearing in mind the scope and the scale of what we've just covered, that God now would say to us, oh, yeah, if you're in Christ, if you're connected to Jesus, if you also are a living stone that's being built into him, you yourselves are God's temple. Like a little, uh, if you think of a temple, and you get the builders round. Yes, Livio, come do, a, come do a quote for me. I'd like a little extension on this. It's my life and your life and Kevin's life and Justin's life and Arif's life. We're, 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 we're being cemented on to the temple. I don't belong here. I'm not the right kind of stone. I'm not dressed in the... No, you yourselves are a temple. You're God's temple. And God's spirit dwells in you. You're not out on the edge somewhere. The same spirit that came in and filled, flooded the tent of meeting the same spirit that overwhelmed the priests in Solomon's temple. Well, God's spirit dwells in your midst, in our lives. Ephesians 2, 19, 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Here's this kind of construction uh, picture again. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building joins together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I've been preaching this stuff and learning for, for decades in my life. And when we just pause and go through it in this way, I am blown away that the likes of you and me and the likes of church, very ordinary churches like ours, might be added into, built into Christ, built into one another. It's, I think we love the theology of, oh yeah, we're built together. We love the body idea. That's another way of expressing this body with Jesus as the head, his life flowing through us. Wonderful pictures. We like the idea of us being together. We often use these passages to speak about unity. Oh yeah, we're stones built together. We're connected. We're really united. Hey, let's stand up and pray and we'll all hold hands and be united. That's great. It's a good application. But we miss a step. <laughs> we miss a step. What does it say? It says God's presence comes and indwells this temple. <laughs> it's not really about us. I mean, it is about us. Our unity is a byproduct. When God is present, wow, boy, do we get united because <laughs> stuff gets dealt with in our, in our lives. You yourselves, a temple where God dwells by his spirit, is going somewhere, friends. Revelation 2, 21, sorry. Revelation 21. John has this vision of something that's coming. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for us. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, the dwelling place of God is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the story we're living in and where this story is going. This is how God's plan is unfolding with his son and for his people. The dwelling place of God has moved from a physical temple. Jesus 
took it on himself. He became the better temple, the, the, the greater glory that the old stone temples could only foreshadow. But after Jesus died for our sins and was raised to life and ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, the dwelling place of God is not only right now with Jesus who's ascended into the present heaven, but we, his people, get included in that too. Now he promises to be with us. Matthew 18 says, even if just two or three gather, you know, a bad night in a small group. Oh, no one's turned up tonight. Hey, here's a promise, living stones, where two or three gather in my name. What, how does it go? There I am, in the midst of you. The indwelling glory and presence of the mighty heavenly God says, yeah, on a bad night in a small group, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm, I'm filling you. He's promised in Matthew 28, I, I'll be with you. Surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Now God's people, the, the church, we, we've now become the place where God dwells. It's just an extraordinary idea. And yet if it's true, it changes everything, especially for how I'm going to live in a world as an exile, where I might be fearful, where I might feel like I'm abandoned, where I might come under all kinds of pressure today, and maybe in the future even persecution for being a follower of Jesus, for being a living stone that's connected into Jesus. But boy, can I live with a confidence when I know I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we together are a place where God dwells, where God shines. No wonder I'm able to shine like a star in this wicked and depraved generation, to use Paul's language. It's just awesome theology. We don't need special buildings. We don't need special sanctuaries. This place isn't special. It's great. We're privileged to have it. We, you just need to join your life to Jesus. And he indwells you. He comes to fill you. You just need to connect with other believers. And you're joined with him and others into this, this living temple where God loves to dwell and where God manifests his, his presence. It's just awesome. I really overuse that word awesome. But this is, this is just say awesome for me, will you? Awesome. Now say it like an American. Awesome. It's just awesome. Oh, and, and this isn't the end of the story. It gets better. Jesus is coming back. We read in Revelation 21. The whole redeemed, restored earth is going to become this living, pumping, pulsing temple, made right, put right. Um, men and women perfectly in relation with one another and with God and with creation, just like God intended it to be in the beginning. And in the meantime, the church gets to shine out with the glory of Jesus. Can I hear a hallelujah, please? And have a little wave if that excites you. As you come to him, um, I'm, I'm probably going to wrap it up here, I, th I think. We've not got very deep into these verses. What I, I reckon what I'll do, um, if, if you're happy to and you don't have to access this, maybe I'll, I'll just record the rest of it later and whack it on our Facebook page for those that, if, if this has whetted your appetite, you only did the first two verses, hey, if this has excited you, then I'll record some more later uh, and uh, I'll up on the Facebook page and you can catch up in your own time, pray it through, think it through. As you come to him, you also. I, I, I think I, I'd love us to respond and, and say, God, would you come? Uh, I, don't, I don't feel like I belong in this temple, but I believe in faith these scriptures. Will you come and fill me with your, your spirit? Can we invite the Holy Spirit to fill this, this temple? Our lives are included in Christ. It's just remarkable. Um, I'll go on later to talk about us being a holy priesthood, about us offering our spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Um, I don't know. I, I look around. I, we, we hear this stuff, and then we think about our own kind of weak and wobbly lives. Uh, we, all of us, have, unless, unless you're a builder, if you've got limited construction, 
all of us around our homes have got a, a wobbly paving slab on the approach to the front door, a brick on the garden wall. That, oh, no, don't, don't touch that one. <laughs> that'll, that'll fall on someone otherwise. We, we've all got stuff, haven't we, around our, is it just me? Around our homes that feels, that feels vulnerable, that feels wobbly. Um, maybe you feel like that in, in your own life. Maybe you feel like, I, I don't know if I'm even connected into Jesus. I don't know if I'm connected into his church. Do you want to be built up to use this language, this construction language, edified to, to use the, the old word? Do you want to grow stronger in your walk with Jesus? Then even just on the verse we've touched today, keep coming to Jesus, coming to this living stone. Keep offering your spiritual sacrifices, your worship, your prayer, your obedience, your holiness. Let's keep being built. Let's keep gathering. Uh, get yourself into a small group if you haven't yet. Please ask us. We're being built into a spiritual house where God more and more in these days wants us to know I'm ready to, to indwell you with my beautiful presence and my fullness. Whether it's on your own, in your quiet time, on, your, on that snatched five minutes where you think I managed to get a walk and, and pray. Or, or whether you get hours of glorious intercession and worship um, uh, wherever you are on that scale, I suspect most of us are that end rather than that end. But wherever you are, let's, let's keep growing and giving ourselves and coming to Christ in this. It becomes a perfect, continuous life of worship that reflects who we, who we are. We are these people. This is who we are and what we will one day fully be as his worshipping people. So let's, let's pause, pause there. Um, I think later on I'll pick up the, the but you are, okay? So we looked at, well, <laughs> at this beautiful intro, and then we'll look at the, the uh, we're a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people belonging to God. He's, we're uh, created to declare the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Can we stand together? I th I've, I've got two responses. One, we've got some time. I want to pray, come Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm going to pray that now. Just lift your hands to the Lord. We have no other prayer, Lord Jesus. If, if in any way today you are saying, Lord, I, I, believe, these, I believe these scriptures, I believe this teaching. I, 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 mean, I can hardly believe it, but I believe it. Give me faith to believe it. If, if that's you today, then you can pray right now, come Holy Spirit, fill this temple. Just begin to pray for yourself. Begin to pray for this church. Begin to pray for other believers around the town. Just begin to use some of these phrases. You can open 1 Peter if you, if, you, if, you, if you want to. Just begin to pray the phrases. I'm a living stone. I'm connected into you, Jesus. Wow. We're a spiritual house where you dwell by your spirit. Wow, I can hardly believe it. It's true. I believe it. Help me believe it. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, just pray that way. Let me hear the murmuring of stones. I don't know how else stones would pray. They're living stones. They'll speak. 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 Oh, Jesus, we welcome you. Wow. We read the Old Testament passages and we even sing some songs that, that we, we, we long for, you know, the priests were overcome and couldn't continue their work in the temple, in the tabernacle. But, but <laughs> Jesus, we promised a greater glory in Jesus. We don't, we don't have to look at the Old Testament stuff and say, oh, we long for that. There's, there's something greater. Wow, I know that we've experienced that. But we can say, come Holy Spirit, fill this temple. Come Holy Spirit, come into every part. Come into every part. Come and remove every blockage. Yeah, we're living stones. Come and chip off every edge. Shape, shape us, Lord, so we fit to you and fit to one another. Oh God, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we heard, we, just hearing about holiness earlier. 
Lord, we're a holy people. Come. Lord, just Peter's warning at the end there that says, just be very careful how you live. Live such good lives. Lord, if we're a holy house, if we're welcoming the Holy Spirit, I recognize my life does not demonstrate holiness, my inner life. Oh, God, will you come and cleanse me? Cleanse me from within. Lord, make me a, a temple that is fit for you to inhabit with, with your presence. Oh, forgive me, Lord. My speech, my thoughts, my actions, my motivations, my longings. Yeah, come on, just keep praying to the Lord. Keep offering me your, your heart, opening, opening up to you, Lord. <laughs> Every part of me. Every part of me. How do I think I could do life on my own? I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm connected to you, Jesus. And it's your life I need. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How wonderful that this is true. It's true for us. Oh, thank you. God, forgive me where I've, I've built myself to so many other things, other people, other ways, other strategies for life. Lord, I've, I've run after other comforts, other idols. Oh, God, where we've looked for security in finance and relationships and sex and rest and holidays or job or whatever it is being approved of by others. Jesus, I'm joined to you. Nothing else matters more than that. Oh, God, would you just chip off every other, every other connection, every other... Lord, thank you, some of those things are good, and we're, we're so grateful to you for them. But we just welcome you now. May we know we're joined to you. May we know your life's flooding into us. Oh, thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. If you, if you do speak in tongues, if you've got the gift of tongues, can I just encourage you to pray in the Spirit? Just begin to pray. Don't worry about the person next to you. If you don't, that's fine. There's no pressure there. Not everyone does have the gift of tongues or the gift of languages. You can just keep praying in your own language, in English or whatever your language is. Or you can ask God, give me this gift of tongues now and begin to pray. Thank you, Lord. Fill me again, Lord. I need you. I want more of you. I can't be a disciple that isn't connected to you in this way. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Just as Steve was sharing at the end there, I just got a real sense of something that I don't want to share um, because I almost feel like saying anybody in this room who's not been hurt by another member of the church put their hands up because then there'd only be one or two. Because actually most of us at some point we fall out with people or people say something they don't mean to or 
perhaps some people say things they do mean, and it hurts us. So who's been hurt by other people in the church? Oh, only me. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I just got a real sense, maybe, again, just for me, but maybe for others in the room, you know, God is saying, yeah, that's not great. Maybe the person shouldn't have hurt you. Maybe they were out of order. But maybe you've been out of order as well. But God chooses to use this to shape you. So do you choose to be shaped by the things that you've been through? That Do you choose to allow God to shape you, to make you more into the living stone he wants you to be, to fit better into this temple, to make this temple stronger, and to be a temple where God is worshipped? Because what's happening when we're hurt and bashed around by people is that edges have been knocked off. We've been shaped not very nice really sometimes but do you choose to take that and say God that hurt I'm going to choose to allow you to change me yeah of course we've got to re repent when we've done things and we've got to get forgiveness and let's get prayed when we're hurt because it can hurt really hurt but also God is using it we know in Romans 8 28 and we know that in all things or God works all things together for those who love him and are called according to his purpose so just a cry to all of those of you, like me, who've been bashed and bruised. Let's choose to almost like take that and turn it and say, God, it wasn't nice, but you're shaping me. And I'm going to be more like Jesus. And I'm going to fit better into this wonderful, holy temple. So thank you, God. I choose to use that as the moment to move forward rather than the moment to cower and go backwards. Kind of let's respond. We're, we're going to sing. Um, we, we sang it a couple of weeks ago. We'll just sing a song from this scripture. If you need to pray about that, go grab someone to pray about that. Please do so. If you just want to go pray, come Holy Spirit. Or if there's someone that you needs healing, all those. You know this moment, church, where we respond in worship, but we're responding to to what God's been doing. So you're free to move around to minister to one another. Come and grab Justin if you're not sure. Let's sing these verses. Um, are they coming up? Yeah.